Uh, turn in your, in your Bibles with me to the book of Galatians and the first chapter. If you haven't already, put a, a bookmark there because we're going to be living in Galatians together for the next few months. Galatians chapter 1. Our brand new sermon series is called The Truth of the Gospel. Because the Galatians were in danger of losing the truth of the Gospel. The Apostle Paul wrote this letter, the oldest letter we have from Paul, to the churches in the region of Galatia out of concern that they were departing from the truth of the Gospel of grace. The Gospel of of Jesus Christ. Last week we said that Galatians is a tornado warning. Something was going dreadfully wrong in these churches and Paul has broken the glass and pulled the alarm. We only made it five verses in last week, but we were already confronted with Paul's credentials as a divinely authorized representative of God Himself. His prayer that these Christians would experience grace and peace and a reminder of what the Gospel is. The good news. That Jesus Christ gave Himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age. And an exclamation of unending worship. That was just in the first five verses. And we said this last week. Paul doesn't take a breath. And he doesn't do what he does in all of his other letters. Give thanks for the recipients. He just goes right to work and sounds that warning bell. Ding, 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 ding. Let's read verses 6 through 11 this morning and just listen. Listen to the passion with which he speaks to these Galatians. Chapter 1, verse 6. Are you ready? Maybe. I am astonished. That you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. As we have already said, so now I say it again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let him be eternally condemned. Am I now trying to win the approval of men? Or of God? Or am I trying to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. Would you pray with me? Lord, I want to be a servant of Christ. So help me, Lord, not to preach in such a way as to please men, but to please You. Thank You for giving us this letter, this tornado warning, this alarm going off. Help us to heed it as the incredibly serious, important word that it is. We're listening in onto someone else's correspondence, Lord, so we need need wisdom to understand what's being said and what isn't. 
We only have half of the conversation. But we have the part we need. Help us, Lord, to hear Your voice speaking to us in Your inspired, inerrant, authoritative, trustworthy, sufficient, warning Word. We pray it in the name of the One to whom all glory be. Christ. Amen. Did you hear the strong words? Paul uses some of his strongest words in the book of Galatians. These are near the top of the strongest words Paul ever puts in the Bible. But they are not over the top words. They're at the top words, but they are not over the top words. Paul uses strong language because the situation warrants it. These people were in danger of losing the truth of the gospel. And Paul wanted to do whatever it took to show the danger they were in. Question. When is it appropriate to yell at your kids? When they're at the edge of the cliff and they're quickly walking backwards, right? Stop! Stop right now! Paul is afraid that these Galatians were headed over the edge. Look at verse 6. He is just shocked. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Paul is amazed. Paul is flabbergasted. He is is shocked. He is scandalized. That's not just rhetoric. That's how Paul feels. He can't believe that these folks are so quickly deserting God and His gospel. I mean, he was just there. Remember what we learned last week about the occasion? Paul has very recently planted these churches. He has given them the gospel, the the straight stuff, and he's got these churches started and he's headed back home to Antioch. But already false teachers have crept in and have lured these Galatians into leaving God and turning to a different gospel. You see how serious this is? Paul is just six verses into his letter and he is in full rebuke mode. Paul sees that these churches are abandoning God, verse 6, deserting the one who called you. That's Paul. That's not Paul. That's God. God's the one who called them. He's the one that they're abandoning. And they are defecting from the truth of the gospel, specifically the gospel of grace. Did you catch that word in verse 6? I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by or in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Do you remember last week what Paul wanted for them? What was was Paul's prayer and is going to be our prayer for each other every day of this series? Paul wants what? Two things. Right. Grace and peace. We're praying for it each day during this series. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you, Reagan. Peace to you. Here it's grace. Grace is so good, right? 
Grace is unmerited favor. Grace is blessings you have not earned. Grace is a gift from God. That's what grace is. And these Galatians are deserting. They're they're turncoats. They're defecting from the One who called them into the grace of Christ. They are leaving Graceland and turning to a different land, a different Gospel. Shocking! Are you shocked by that? Why would anyone want to leave the grace of Christ? I have just two points of application this morning. One big major one, which you can already tell is the main point of this passage and this entire book. And another smaller point to end on. And it struck me as I was preparing that both points of application are especially appropriate for our graduates on graduation Sunday. They're for all of us, make no mistake. But I can see how they are particularly for them. So Jordan, Roy, Jessica, and Noah, listen up. Here's point number one. Don't turn to a different gospel. Don't turn to a different gospel. Stick to the one true gospel. If you've hung around this church for any length of time, you know that we are all about the gospel. Gospel, gospel, gospel. You might get tired of the word. Gospel, 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 gospel. I hope you've heard the gospel week in and week out as you've been a part of this church. That's what we are about. That's what we've been trying to pass on to you for however long you've been a part of us. The gospel, gospel means good news. The good news of Jesus Christ and His salvation that He won for us through death and resurrection. The salvation He gives to us, gives to us as a gift of His grace. It's a gift. It's not something we've earned. It's not something we've worked for and is due to us. Our graduates have worked for their diplomas. Right? It's due to them. Jordan's like, yeah. That's right. That's why I see him back there. Yeah, I have. It's due to them. Salvation is not due to us. It's not something we've earned. It's something that's given to us. It's a gift of God's Grace, not owed to us because of any of our good works or our achievements. Just grace. That's the Gospel we've been preaching. And it's the Gospel that Paul had been preaching. But these folks were turning away from that to a different Gospel. Now it doesn't say here very much about what that different Gospel was. We're going to see more about that in the next few weeks and months. But we'll learn pretty quickly that it involved adding in our human works to the basis of our justification. This different gospel included the works of the law, especially the act of circumcision, as a necessary component of the gospel. Not just grace. Not just Jesus. Not in Christ alone. But something else added in. Something we do. That's a different gospel. And it's totally dangerous. It's the edge of the cliff. That's why Paul has started yelling, Stop! Don't turn to a different gospel. Stick to the one true gospel. Why? Well, for one, verse 7, any other gospel is not really a gospel at all. That's not good news. 
It's not good news to say that Jesus' death was not enough. That we have to do our bit to help things along. That we have to take up and take on the law of Moses upon our backs as well. That's not good news. That's really no gospel at all. You see, we're not talking here about a mere difference of opinion. This is not just a debate on some minor issues. When it's a minor issue, Paul hardly cares at all. Right? Remember back in the book of Philippians? There were some other Christians who were preaching the gospel in competition with Paul's preaching. Like they set up a church across, the, across town and they wanted to compete with Paul for market share. Right? See how many people come to our church instead of your church? What does Paul say about that? Well, he calls a spade a spade. He doesn't like it because their motives are bad. But what does he say about it? He says, oh well, no big whoop. It's in the Greek. No big whoop. At least they're preaching the gospel. And if they're doing that, I don't care. Right? That, that was Paul's approach in Philippians chapter 1. How different is approach in Galatians chapter 1? Is it because Paul's schizophrenic? No, it's because of the gospel. It's a big deal because it's a different gospel. Verse 7. Evidently, some people are throwing you Galatians into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. That's what's going on. Some folks have moved into the territory and they are selling a distorted gospel. It's close, but it's altered. They've changed it so that it's not the same as what Paul preached. And it's not a style problem, it's a content problem. And it's throwing the Galatians for a loop. He says it's throwing them into confusion. It's troubling them. It's disturbing their peace. Remember grace and peace? They're abandoning grace and they're losing their peace because of these people. Who are these people? Well, the paragraph doesn't say, but we'll learn more soon. It looks like they are Jews who teach faith in Jesus as Messiah, but also teach works of the law as our necessary contribution to our justification. Whatever they are teaching, it's a perversion. It's a perversion of the gospel. They've turned it upside down. There will be any number of people in the world who will fall into the some people category of verse 7 in your life. Some people. Friends. Teachers. Professors. People on social media who are trying to sell you a different gospel. It happens every single day. People you like. People you trust. People you think should know. Authorities in your life preaching a false gospel. Throwing people into confusion and trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. And some of the worst are the religious leaders. The pastors, the elders, the church leaders who have distorted gospel have a distorted gospel that they are pushing. 
the prosperity preachers on the television. Jordan, Roy, Jessica, Noah, be careful whom you listen to. Because these some people are still out there. And they are crafty. You know, false teachers don't always look like false teachers. They are friendly. They have big smiles. They are popular with others. They have smooth words. Their teaching has a veneer of plausibility. Most of them don't say, Hi, I'm from Satan. Believe my false gospel. Now what they say makes some sense. The question is, is it true? Because this is really important. Eternal life is on the line. Look how Paul ups the ante in verse 8. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. Yes, you heard him right. He says that if someone preaches a different gospel, let them go to hell. The Greek word is anathema. Let them be accursed. Let them be destroyed. May God put them under the ban. If you are peddling a gospel that is not the one about grace, then what you deserve is eternal condemnation. And that goes for Paul too. Did you catch that? Look again. Look up at verse 8 again. But even if we, that's Paul and his team, even if we or an angel of heaven, Gabriel, Michael, Clarence, whoever, should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. The point is not who is doing the preaching. The point is what is being preached. Paul preached the good stuff when he was with them. He says, if he changes now, and he comes and he preaches something distorted, then he should be damned. Yes, those are strong words. But that just shows how important this whole thing is. Here's how important Paul thinks it is. He repeats himself. Verse 9. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let him be eternally condemned. Friend, there's only one true gospel. There was only one way to be saved. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Peter said, salvation is found in no one else than Jesus, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Paul said in Ephesians, for it is by grace you've been saved, through faith. And this not from yourselves, it's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. There's only one true gospel, and it's a gospel of grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And may no one try to change it. Friends, this is love. We read these words and you're like, ooh, that's not very loving. Oh, yes, it is. 
we don't like it when people talk like this, but, but Paul loves the Galatians. They're like his children. And he wants them to understand how important the Gospel is. He doesn't want them to go over the edge of the cliff. So he pulls out the strongest words in his toolbox and he goes to work. Don't turn to a different Gospel. It won't save you. Don't graduate from the Gospel. Graduate from whatever school you want, but don't graduate from the Gospel. Stick to the one true Gospel of grace in Jesus Christ. What does this mean in practical terms? Well, it means you've got to know the Gospel. If you're going to stick to it, you've got to know it. And it means you've got to believe the Gospel yourself. You've got to receive it for yourself. You, you can't trust in somebody else's reception of it. And it means you've got to preserve that gospel. And it means you've got to preach that gospel and share it with others. Do you know the gospel? Could you explain the good news about Jesus Christ to someone else if they asked? And get it right? Have you come to believe the gospel yourself? Do you have questions about it? I would love to talk with anyone here about your questions about the Gospel. That's why I'm here. You've got doubts? You've got questions? You've got things you're wondering about? I'm so encouraged by what I'm hearing from our Young Adults Link Group. Jordan, Roy, Jessica, Noah, you ought to be going to that group. 18 to 25, high school grads and up, Go. They're studying this book. I read it when I was their age. Know Why You Believe by Paul Little. Last week, the question under discussion is, is Christianity rational? So many people think that the gospel means kissing your brains goodbye. No. Christianity is for rational people, for thinking people. This week, their discussion is going to be, is there a God? You've got to wrap your mind around that. Because the Gospel starts with God. And the point of the Gospel is reconcile us back to God through what Jesus did for us on the cross. Have you put your faith in Christ and Christ alone? Stick to the one true Gospel. Don't let people distort it for you. Not even Pastor Matt Mitchell. If I start to get this wrong, don't listen to me. Show me your back. And you guys ought to fire me. Next week will be 19 years that I've been the main preacher here at Lance Free Church. We're going to begin the 20th year next week. Finish up our second decade. But if I preach a gospel other than what Paul preached to the Galatians, let Matt Mitchell be eternally condemned. Believe me, I don't want to be accursed. And neither do you. Don't turn to a different gospel. Stick to the one true one. Number two, don't try to please other people. 
Don't try to please other people. Strive to please the one true God. This is a minor point in this text. It's not about salvation, but it's important nonetheless. See what Paul says in verse 10. Am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God? Or am I trying to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. Do you follow his logic? It's a little bit of a step. He certainly doesn't sound to me like he's trying to please men with all of his talk of eternal condemnation. But some people were probably accusing him of playing both sides. Just telling people what they wanted to hear. When he was with the Jews, he talked Jewish. And even had his friend Timothy circumcised. But when he was with the Gentiles, he didn't talk that way. He only talked about grace. Because that's what they wanted to hear. But Paul says, no, no. I'm the same both places. I don't tell people what they want to hear. I tell them what they need to hear. I used to try to please men. You know how? I worked so hard at being a good Jew. I progressed in Judaism like no one's business. But I'm not on that merry-go-round any longer. I'm not a servant of what other people want. I'm a servant of Christ and Christ alone. You see his point? He's going to say more about that in the next section. But I think the point is clear. Paul is not a people pleaser. He's a God pleaser. At least that's what he wants to be. And the same should be true of us today. Pleasing other people and living for their approval is a dead-end street. It's a treadmill with no end. It's a big black hole to get sucked into. It is, in a word, slavery. And it's so easy to get trapped by it. How much of our behavior every day is motivated by what people will think about us? How much of what we say and do on, on social media, for example, is we're going for the likes. And now there's a love button. If they really like it, they're going to give you the love button. And I'm going for that love button. It's motivating what I'm doing on social media. Jordan, Roy, Jessica, Noah, this is big. Listen to this. Don't live to please other people. That doesn't mean ignore people. Or ignore their preferences. But don't be ruled by the opinions of your friends or anybody else. Don't live your life to please them. Live to love them, but don't live to please them. Don't let them control you. But, now catch this, don't try to please yourself either. That's a dead end street too. I'm not saying, follow your heart. You know, follow your heart is from Disney, but not from the Bible. Don't live to please yourself. Live to please God. Live your life to hear Jesus say someday to you, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Master. Because you know what pleases God most? Our faith. Hebrews says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. You will please God the most by placing your trust and faith in Jesus alone. And then obedience flows right out of that. 
Don't try to please other people. Strive to please the one true God.